great. Fantastic. Levels look good. So hello, welcome again to Projecting. Yes, everyone's favorite podcast in the world. David's going to try everything he can to not laugh at me. But uh, I'm chewing ice right now. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is great uh, for audio, great for radio. It's good radio. Go. Uh, I've got uh, David Bienvenue. He's a fellow filmmaker, an old friend from high school. Um, and we're here to talk a bit about, we, we were debating a lot of topics because we could talk about film and intersection of art and business, you know, your trajectory into film and your background, whatever. But honestly, we, we were thinking about all the conversations we always have when we're in the car or when we're having drinks or if we're just walking or just for some reason, it always comes back to these conversations of um, like free speech and quote the unquote o- social justice warriors, public outrage. The yeah. public apology. Yeah, the public apology yeah. and whether or not you know these things are valid and where does it come from and, and is it – is it even honest, disingenuous, things like that. And so we figured, oh, this would be a good subject as well as just talking about comedy in general because one thing that I know for like you and Donnie and a lot of the other people, a big uh, a big passion for y'all for many years besides music has been comedy and comedians. Sure, and, yeah. and for years, y'all are always quoting bits. And I only feel like in the past year, I've really developed a comedic sense as far as like who the major guys are, listen to a ton of stand-up, read a lot of stuff, watch Louis, watch Mayor, and really can actually yeah. have i actually feel like i can actually talk to you about it now no we can always talk to you <laughs> no but i feel like i actually can talk about it not that y'all wouldn't let me but i'm like okay i don't feel totally self-conscious oh. talking about comedy now <laughs> no it's great i'm waiting for um i'm actually waiting for the bill cosby scandal to go all the way up because there's a copy of one of his records that i love uh it's called to Russell, my brother with whom I've slept. And there's an autographed copy that was on eBay for 400 bucks, but I feel like the prices are going to plummet. Wait to grab it. <laughs> 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 I really want that thing really bad. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. So, um, so when did you. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> no I should clarify that. Uh, what he did was uh, inexcusable. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm just a huge fan of that album. Just as an album, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw him about two weeks after that whole scandal broke. Uh, Carnegie Hall in New York City for the New York Comedy Festival. He mm. was he was incredible. It, yeah. Was he running his new stuff from his Comedy Central special, or was he doing other it was stuff? All new. It was all new, new material. Are it, you serious? It's an hour and a half long. I I had listened to that record on Spotify, the um, Far From Finish special, yeah. and it was it was all new material. There there wasn't a single repeat, even with the bonus tracks at the end. Nothing. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what like you know obviously the scandal and everything, everything's off the rails. But I kind of wonder what his master plan was. Was he like trying to like get back into the comedy game? Like we're not trying to obviously succeeding, but like was he planning on like really reigniting his stand up career? Do you think? Well, I, I'm. Pretty sure that he had a he had a very good relationship with NBC, mm-hmm. so he actually had a sitcom, a new sitcom that was supposed to come out, and he was mm. he had been touring for that new special, and I think his plan was to make another one for Comedy Central. No, Far From Finish was Comedy Central. He was yeah. going to do a new one, I believe, for Netflix. Uh. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's funny now in retrospect when you kind of realize how the whole the series of events that have unfolded about Cosby have been because of Hannibal Buress's. I know, dude. I still... I remember Hannibal had a whole thing where he was saying he, one of his biggest concerns is that his career was going to be over after that because all he was just going to be the blacklisted. guy who... Huh? Blacklisted? Essentially. But not just blacklisted, but he also said that like no one would 
like go to hear his comedy, everything's now in the context of what he said about Cosby. So not just blacklisted, but I think he was also saying he was like, he was like, I didn't want to go and suddenly be a pundit and like be called by all these media outlets and be coming on to talk about it as if somehow I'm now an expert on the subject. He was like, when I said that, it was tongue in cheek and it was kind of this thing we all kind of said. But he's yeah. like, but I put it to a stand-up. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the very end of his the bit. Have you listened to the bit? The bit is that if you search Bill Cosby rape, you get more Google Google search results than if you type in Hannibal Buress. Yeah, <laughs> is it? It's Buress, right? Not Bur. Is it? Bur- yeah, I it's Buress. It, I don't remember exactly how it said. It's it's. It's not Hannibal. I always thought it was Buress, but I have no idea. Yeah, you know, it might be Buress now that you say it. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, that guy's all over the place. There's a lot of comedians that are coming out that I'm not too familiar with. What they're going on, a lot of them are lily padding immediately into successful television shows like Parks and Rec, I think, had Donald Glover. What was Aziz on? Um, uh, no, Parks and Rec was Aziz. Okay. Um, Community had Donald Glover. Yeah, I'm not a big... Yeah. No, big I mean, I've guy. seen a bit of both. Um, <clears throat> Do you? I just know, um, I, Donald Glover is particularly interesting, though, just because his, like rap career acting career yeah comedy career and like man he had a uh he did a comedy central thing recently and that's like i forgot exactly how recently a stand-up special yeah but i don't think it was special it's like it was kind of like comedy central presents but i don't think it was that no that thing's old that thing's like four years old no he has one that was only the one we had (laughs) sorry dog is is it the one i don't know what he talks about wanting to call a midget he wanted to call He's on this tri- subway. I swear this is yeah. the past few months. Yeah, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Because no, it wasn't Comedy Presents. It was some other thing, though, where a bunch of comedians got, like, I think he got, like, half an hour. I don't think he got a full hour. Right. So I don't think it was, like, a Donald Glover special. I think they, like, brought him to the stage as part of something. Right. I can't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm talking off of vague memories. But what do you think about TV comedies? Because I, I just, I can't do it. I as can't far do, as shows? Yeah, I just, can't just do. Just do I like, do I like comedy? Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you like? What do you enjoy? I mean, I don't watch. I don't like comedy movies. I don't like comedy television. I just. I like, think I a love stand-up. great comedy movie is a Diamond in the Rough. I don't. Not that like Diamond in the Rough is probably an exaggeration, but I do think ones that have me like howling, laughing. Mm-hmm. When you find them, I mean, I think I'm more likely to crack up hard during a stand-up special than I am from a movie. But man, there's some movies. I remember the first time I saw Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and part of it was that I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, I hadn't heard all the hype for it. And, my, and Jake just was like, oh, we need to go see it. We need to go see it. And he's like, it's a breakup movie, but trust me, it's not a breakup movie. <laughs> see, stand-up- but that movie was so funny. Mm-hmm. It was paced right. It was, it was good pauses, good cuts, good use of space. Like I just found that movie was just so funny. And that's why I give him to the Greek and it was hyped up and it was the follow-up to Forgetting Sarah Marshall essentially. So it wasn't as funny. Right. It was funny, but like I think sometimes when I'm caught blindsided by a good funny movie, like Thank You for Smoking. I mean, that is a funny movie. Mm-hmm. And that's something that does not that that movie's comedy used the film format. I don't think those jokes translated. Mm-hmm. as it would stand, translate into stand-up. It's just yeah. a lot of it was interactions between people and the right. way that people talk to each other and the way they like just would make these offhand comments. Just the things they would say was just unbelievably hilarious. Yeah, I don't know if I really enjoy where, what the kind of precedent or the template that the office set up of awkward humor. I think people have backed away from some of that, though. 
I think shit. the office relied a lot on that, like that zoom rack focus, awkward thing. That the team, I call it the TMZ zoom. Yeah. You ever seen an uh, oh, episode yeah. of TMZ oh, where yeah. it's just, it, that cut is in there like every, yeah. It, and it worked for the office. When it first came out, their style and, and shooting style was, no one was doing that. And it was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, I think the, the absurd, they did a good job of translating like that British absurd humor mm-hmm. into an American show and like made it distinctly American still. Yeah. And I think it's one of the few successful transplants you have of one country to another. And I think to the point where I think the American office was more popular than the British office by the like second or third sure. season. And the British office did, did very well. It was a very popular show. Ricky yeah, Gervais Rick- is, you know, he's, he's Ricky Gervais. That's um, a dude that doesn't care. He doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> he <is>. He's great. <laughs> Although I will say, uh, I saw that movie, The Invention of Lying. It made me groan, dude. He just, he got Louis so it, right? preachy. Huh? Louis in it, right? He might be. I don't remember actually. Okay. That makes sense though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because they are friends, mm-hmm. and they're on. He's on. He's uh, Ricky's been on Louis C.K. on Louis, right? But yeah. um, I, I, it just got to like it very quickly. Within twenty thirty minutes, became very clear that this is a funny sketch, not a movie. Right. And then it started getting serious and preachy. Yeah. And like had these like deep moments, and I'm like, ah, dude, this is not what I came here for. Like, I'm cool with comedy having its drama and its like serious moments, but it was so heavy handed. Yeah. And so I, it was just a shame because I find Ricky Gervais, although he can be a little overly sarcastic to the point where you're like, all right, dude, no one's really that much of an asshole. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, you're right though. I think I could see why, you know, comedy shows, it's usually a guilty pleasure as opposed to something where I'm like, oh my God, the writing's so good. Scrubs in the office are probably the only two I can come up immediately that I was like, oh, those were good, funny writing, but Scrubs also had more drama. Right. It, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think a lot of people that don't get stand-up that I talk to that love comedy shows, I, I, I think that we have different views on it, which is when I see TV, I see, uh, all I can think about is the studio and how forced it feels. But when, yeah. but when... Um, when I talk to people that don't enjoy stand-up, they they say essentially that what's going on is this guy's trying really hard just to make people laugh, a room full of people laugh. But to but me... you all see a problem of construction, but neither of you sees what you like as constructed too particularly. Right. I mean, in terms of what I love... Or overly constructed. Obviously, both are constructed. <laughs> right. What I love about the stand-up comedy as a form is essentially you have a guy and a microphone in front of a room of people. Or a lady. Or a lady, or a lady. There's a, there's or, or a, other. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I'm a I'm huge. Just, I'm just, I'm just. No, I'm a huge fan of. Um, <laughs> actually, a year ago, I got, really got into Joan Rivers stuff, like her hour long. Yeah, she's interesting. Yeah, yeah you think because like you kind of write her off as like the Vegas act kind of like it's gonna be kind of like a Rodney Dangerfield type where it's like oh you're kind of funny, but no, she's actually like pretty. Yeah. Well, uh, the other thing is that I think she had a few reality shows and what was that? fashion nightmares or the fashion police she did that so she's uh, but no she's she's a fucking killer act man she's she i mean she was great yeah and she got a pass like that was the greatest thing about her is that she she just got a pass because she's a she's a woman I, well, <laughs> it's true for a long time a lot of well, didn't they have a documentary called uh, women aren't funny is that what it's called yeah there's a woman aren't talking funny. about like the problem of like comedy for women where there's this like double-edged sort of like People go in pretty biased, but then you also find that like there are some hacky ones, but then there's hacky guys too. So yeah. it's like, but it's a very male dominated field. I mean, massively male dominated. Right. Yeah. No. And Sarah Silverman's of the world are few and far between, and even hers was like particularly like she had a very niche that happened to blow up. You know. Yeah. I can't name very many. Amy Schumer. 
but hers comes she comes from a writing background like i really can't think of many yeah the presence of female comedians i think is mostly in tv when you think of like tina fey or exactly. you think of amy poehler they've you know and then and they're and all the, funny talented people <laughs> and then they had that that new netflix show that supposedly a lot of people watch but yeah oh um there's a unbreakable kimmy schmidt yeah there's a great presence of female writers on there actually i expected more Sh- from that show amy schumer yeah yep have you seen her first special which one um what's it called oh uh, it's it's i think it's on netflix it's i've never watched a full special i've great. seen i've seen a lot of her bits though yeah she's great yeah but yeah no I don't know. Yeah, comedians are... It's a tough gig. <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking about that earlier today. And I was thinking, because we were coming and we were discussing things that we could talk about. And I kind of was going to do my first directing gig. And uh, Greg's walking out of the room right now. No, no. <laughs> I, can't, I can't phone it in. But, <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, segue. Uh I was thinking about it, and what I really want to do career-wise is, I, th- I think comedians are like a, a great example. I'd really, I don't know. I, I, I love that, that whole idea of work as not being something that you see as, as a part of your, the bigger scheme of, wow, that's a heavy segue, but that's- no, of <laughs> work being something that's in informed by your life and then your your work informs your life right that essentially what comedians are doing specifically stand-ups is they're using their own life as templates to yeah make what they do and i i think that that's that's really where i'd like to be going in a few years you know yeah you know as far as like film goes yeah yeah well we need to lead more interesting lives yeah that's the worst part though is that like we can't draw on a lot of set experience for set because then you start getting meta and lame yeah <laughs> nobody wants if i see no one wants to watch a movie about movie people yeah i'm fucking sick of it when i see it on netflix it's like this is a movie based on a movie that you'll never see it like this <laughs> <laughs> not interested um yeah i'm not interested in that life i think most of the time that i get out of work and i'm still fresh on everything i don't want to talk about it do you ever it depends. It depends on the experience I'm having. Um, if it's if it's a horrible nightmare, I want to get off my chest. And if I'm having a great time, I want to talk about it. Right. Um, if it's just another job, especially like commercial stuff, where I did things with like CNN and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Like I was running sound. I mean, I literally sat in a chair for ten hours, drinking in like a hotel, drinking naked juice and running a boom for like absurd amount of money as a sound guy. It was ridiculous. So like then you're like, those jobs are great every I got those every like six months. Not absurd amount, but like a lot more than people around here are willing to pay sound people back when I used to do sound. But uh those jobs were like, oh well, I could tell people I listened to a bunch of interesting lectures on the Greeks today. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds I guess. fucking awful. Oh it was kind of cool. I did the more historical stuff because like obviously that's my passion. So like a bunch of like people high in their field like coming and like talk about their subjects I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun like i enjoyed lectures in college i know i'm weird mm-hmm. but, but you know yeah it's you're right it's like sometimes you're just like i don't know i ran around all day and i i had to, i have to explain to you what a jib is and what a 4k is and what a ballast is and like to, to you to understand this funny moment where the grip accidentally did you know you're just like oh, no it's, it's so much work to even talk about to people because then they get frustrated because they think you're just sounding pretentious you're like no these are like you literally don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> right. It's, oh, it's, it's exhausting. But, yeah, no, like I, Adventures on the grip truck. Like, doesn't mean anything to you. <laughs> yeah. 
I I think that the the more experience that that I'm getting under this thing, the more I realize how much I love just small small stuff. Of I kind of I guess to bring it back to the comedy thing, I I kind of want to figure out a way to be a one man show. You know? There's a lot of that. The problem though is a lot of film. Like if you're doing it by yourself, it's never as good as if you at least have a few others involved. Sure, it's hard to one man show. I mean, well, I mean as opposed to studio stuff like a four man show. I guess I should say half of the band. <laughs> Yeah, I always get, I always flip about that because sometimes I love having a big set. When you're like with people you've worked with, it's a well-oiled machine. It's really fun, like rigging up things real fast, getting everything set, like everything's rocking and rolling. It's pretty remarkable what you can pull off when you got a good crew. Um, and having a small crew sometimes, like you end up having to do too much by yourself. Mm-hmm. So like if I get paid to be a DP, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but it's like if I'm a DP on a set and I don't have any ACs. You know, if I'm basically if I'm a cinematographer, I have no one else helping me. For those who don't know what that means, uh, I'm not getting paid enough to do that. I'm not, unless right. we're running like one camera and like two lenses, and I don't have to worry about sound. It ends up being a nightmare because I'm like making sure I always have power. I'm making sure we have monitors up for the directors to see. I'm making sure lens flips happen. I make sure the camera's not falling over. You know, you, you just there's too much to do. That's how people get hurt, and that's how things get broken. Right, and it's how you don't get the shots you need. Yeah. So I'm always mixed about it because a fast, small crew working really well can be awesome. But when yeah. things go wrong, you don't have a lot of hands to help you out. Yeah. I think of the, the more that I think of I've been watching just movies after movies after movies and all I, I get can, calling when you're doing that. I don't I don't have the discipline. I don't watch enough movies these days. I need to I need to schedule it or something. I, I really, I just, I'm just it's the last thing it. that you saw. Huh? Oh well, Southpaw. Uh, that was like only a few days ago and then uh I, forgot, I actually got to see Mad Max in the theaters, which was awesome. You saw it in Austin, right? Yeah. Or so Austin. Good. So good. Yeah. Anyway, no, I have yeah. seen a couple movies recently, but I don't like sit down in the day and like pop a movie or go to Netflix. I'm really bad about not doing that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've just been watching a lot of stuff. And then the, I have a Fandor account, which is like streaming service. Yeah, you're talking about the, that. The more that you hop around, the more that you realize how offbeat stuff is. Like, I, I really enjoy this guy named Bill Morrison who. Who does these films and they're they're vi- they're essentially visual essays or they're audio visual collaborations where he'll find like uh, a historical topic that he really likes and he will travel the country and go to different museums and universities and libraries to get all their footage and he'll assemble it together. I think his most famous piece is called Decasia and it's about uh, essentially about how most of the film before the 1950s I think they say like something like 85 percent of it has deteriorated or is completely un, unwatchable or unusual. Is this the thing you showed me where he would like run the old films and almost like it's like fire in it? Yeah. I remember you showed me that a while back. I remember that actually distinctly. It was like a woman. I remember it was like a woman yeah. in a scene and because of the nitrate was basically he was letting it get destroyed while it was projecting it. Yeah. But the weird thing is the patterns that would emerge the the patterns that would emerge of, you know, the decay was that yeah. it was almost creating something it, it it was like it's cre- an art form. Yeah, it was creating its own. You know, it was adding visually to what's going on, and there was a certain sense of coherence to it, which was which was really really wild. But that guy, I met him in New York, um, after the showing of his last film, which is called The Great Flood, um, which is essentially about the the Louisiana flood in nineteen twenty seven twenty seven. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, some of that footage, man, it, it it's it's wild. You'll you'll never see it. I mean, you'll never see. If he wouldn't have gone through this stuff, nobody would have cared to see it. Um, 
you know, when you're doing something like that, you have to be very aware of duration. Like you can't make a two hour movie with it. I think it was like something like 60, 70 minutes, but he's wild. And it's just something so incredibly unique and interesting that, that is just, that's there. And, and, and I'm glad that it's there. And, and what I'm really hoping with what's going on with the internet is that new video, new, our new, our new concepts or ideas of what we consider like a visual media is, is going to really expand and, and that markets or markets for lack of a better word, or just viewers, um, will discover new kinds of angles and new people doing interesting stuff. I really, I'm really hopeful for that. And I think that that's really going to change and define, I think it's really going to be, this really could be a, a very good time. And it's, it's, great to think about that i mean we're starting out and we're doing stuff and we're doing short form because so i think you know with youtube and everything like that anybody's like ah if it's under three minutes or four minutes I'll be like fuck it i'll watch it <laughs> you know but i guess what i'm trying to say is when, when i see stuff like bill morris and stuff I, I just realize that this idea of making being a filmmaker for a living can mean very very different things and that's exciting you know i don't I don't want to pin myself down just yet of being a producer or, right. or being a director. I, I kind of want to see where, you know, I have no idea where I'm going to be in five years, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'd love to see, find new ways of approaching, like, you know, making videos for people to watch. And yeah. Hopefully making some money off of it. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I don't want to be a bum forever. <laughs> you know what's funny you remind me of was that... Um... Remember that episode of Marin where his buddy is a producer and he's trying to get him to do comedy so that he'd be like the trash man or whatever and like comedy so that he would get medical insurance. And he was like looking down on him for being that like producer who makes fart joke movies. And then, yeah. Uh, and then at the end there's that touching moment where he's on the podcast with them and saying like, you know, I know my stuff isn't high, right? I know there's like, but I like to think that I do find these moments to express myself and mm -hmm. through these things I'm able to reach people and da 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 da. And then it's like, Mary and be like, yeah, man, you know, I really went in with low expectations and I'm really glad I did it. And I found this funny. It was a funny experience. Da, 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 da. And it cuts and it's like, that was just all in his head. Like being like, he wished that's what it had been. Yeah. Like that was actually one of the more like, like I saw, I was like, Ooh, the more, Ooh, I, the more I work, <laughs> <laughs> the more I work on features, the more I encounter people that talk a lot of shit about reality. Um, I think reality TV's got a lot of Mickey actually. We talking about weddings, man. He's like the biggest defender of doing weddings. It's like exactly. So I'm gonna let you finish. I don't. I need. No, it's okay. No, no, we can, you're saying what you people. You say people dump on reality. Yeah, yeah. I hear that a fair bit too. It, well, it's fair, but I will it's defend certain. More they're mad. They're not getting that money. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of weird things that are going on. Right so I'm not defending something like uh, you know, um, like uh, the real world. I. I um, or Jersey Shore, I guess those are the kind of the modern things, but more of what Mike Rowe was doing where he was traveling the country and he was just visiting with people. There's, there's a lot of stuff like travel channel, food channel, uh, food network, yeah. cooking channel. I, th I don't think food channel is a channel. I think it's anyway. food network. Um, but yeah, no, you, with those kinds of work, they just travel around the country and you, you're, you just meet people from all these different paths of like paths that you would never run into and it's interesting and you have two short days together and you get to walk around a city that you've never really done and you just get to step into somebody's life for two days and just you know i did a shoot recently on uh 
I, I don't even remember who it was for, but it was Pool Masters. It was like we were doing a, a sizzle reel. You know what a sizzle reel is? <laughs> I, but anyway, it was this guy that... Those I, of y'all don't know, it's basically like the visual pitch. You like do either... It's kind of like a pilot, but right. it's often shorter. It's like just a few minutes maybe, and it's basically to pitch to networks, producers, et cetera, to try to get funding to expand the project into a real thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a teaser. But it was for this uh, gentleman. I'll just... I'll keep it kind of vague because I think... Just yeah, like you signed NDA, so I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. So anyway, there's this guy in northern Louisiana that constructs pools, and that's that's his whole thing. And you know, I was, I was talking to the director, and he's like, "Yeah, we're really worried because because <laughs> three other networks are making a pool construction, uh, pool construction workers." So he's like, "We got to get a new angle on this." But essentially, all that guy did was take us around to the craziest projects that he's ever made, where there there would be fifty foot slides around the back, and um, and these huge. Uh, fireplaces built into pools it was it was wild it was crazy and it talking about this isn't going to get you in trouble huh? i don't want to get you in trouble no it's it's not probably okay, not okay. in trouble okay uh it was like a one and done but gotcha. no no i mean he's a yeah but he was essentially just taking us around yeah. and showing us different things he's and, like cadillac pools <laughs> yeah and where the fuck like who am i what are the odds that i'm just gonna he's just gonna be like hey man you can swim if you want i was like yes <laughs> this is great <laughs> yeah that's funny yeah that's true it's like that's the thing like people like dump on reality and like i know a lot of guys like, go oh, i don't do weddings and and mickey's like anytime i'm like i'm like oh i know weddings can just be work and he's like ah, i don't agree with that He's like, weddings are great. He's like, there's so much opportunity for art and wedding videos. He's like, there's so much opportunity. And he like really defends it. And it's interesting because a lot of times I kind of want to write it off. But he's right. I mean, you watch some of the work that Mick has done with it. It's it's very beautiful. And, and we kind of write it off. It's like, oh, it's a wedding. Oh, it's this. But, you know, if, what he does is very cinematic. It's, well, yeah. I mean, it's ultimate. It's, I mean, in its best form, it's it's really an argument of why editing is an essential. That's true. Filmmaking tool because it's essentially, I mean, that's why we do NLEs, baby. Yeah, when you when you think of something like a video, like he's essentially, it's all in the edit. You know, that's where narrative narrative structure and seam lines and pacing and everything really come into it, and that's where it really becomes interesting. Yeah. Um, in terms of going to weddings, I don't I don't know. What are your opinions? I don't mind. I get free food and booze. <laughs> no, we. Uh, I like doing them. There, there. It just depends on the wedding, of course. Um, it, it can be stressful just because there's usually like a battery of things you have to get. You gotta be really make sure you're watching the clock, and sometimes like you gotta be working on your toes. It's very. It's actually challenging because like it's one of those things. It's actually very high risk because if you miss something or you blow a shot, a lot of them you can't do it again. Yeah. Like, the first dance is the first dance, dude. Like, cake cutting, yeah, you can kind of fake it, but that's when everyone's around there. They have the champagne. Like, like you got to capture those moments. Or, like, a lot of times they're like, oh, first dance at this time, then they come out 10 minutes early. Right. right? I, I think what's <laughs> interesting, what, the pro and con, I think, are, are kind of the same thing. They're with people that have, as just entertaining the idea of the pros and cons of what people that are against it think, is one from a certain point of view, you are actually just stepping in for hopefully the one of the most important moments of somebody's life. And for you, this is another day. As a complete stranger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and that is, that is wild. And, and your, your job is to, is to capture that and, yep. and to 
give that back to somebody. It's something that they can watch, hopefully, you know, in whatever way that they want it to, to, you know, document this day. The opposite side of that is that you, you know, if you did this every day a year, then it doesn't seem so magical or so special. And that's true. So you got to, you got to remember, you can't have a bad day. Right. You're not allowed to. Stakes are too high. Right. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is to be there, it is almost, you know, it sounds weird, but it is kind of almost a privilege huh. to 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 be able to, you know, to be in, through your work to be at somebody, the most important day of somebody's life. Exactly. Um, and it's easy to forget that. It's e- That's exactly what I want to say is it's very easy to forget that when, you know, it's your 200th wedding or your 300th mm-hmm. wedding. Yeah. I don't know which any war stories from working at a wedding. Just I always cite that Vietnamese wedding I told you about with pounding on tables and screaming and doing shots and the groom vomiting on the dance floor. I mean it was fucking animals. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it was like that's like really all I could think of. I was like it was it was five hours of insanity. Really? I mean, oh yeah. Any no, cocaine? Huh? <laughs> Any cocaine? <laughs> I, they don't need drugs. They're all just plastered drunk. Each table had bottles of booze. Really? Oh god. It was, dude. I cannot. It was out of control. Yeah. No. Yeah. That shit can be pretty wild. I used to go hang out in Koreatown when I was. In, well, this is. Never mind. <laughs> we just. I just literally pad from Vietnamese to Koreans. Asian people go all out. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that, and I'm gonna stand by that statement. All right. <laughs> no, but fucking yeah. No, I've never been to a Vietnamese wedding. Um, I wish that I would have. That yeah. That sounds pretty wild. Yeah, the food's amazing. It was, it was all out Vietnamese food. Oh, yeah. Right Dude, this is not like New Orleans East out in like, like the Vietnamese area of the city. I mean, this was like, I mean, almost none of them spoke English. You know what? I'd say, I'd say anyone over 30 didn't speak English for the most part. Right all right, so we're talking about people getting wild, and I realized that you've never told me. You've never told me an embarrassing party story or like just all out. You got any great war stories of what happened to you rather than you being a witness? Oh, God. No. No? You don't want to entertain it? No. At this time. I need to think about that because, I mean, you know, we all did college. I was never like the guy like doing keg stands and throwing up all over people's bathrooms. I was never that guy. Um, But, you know, we've all gotten sick and been stupid. Everyone does, no matter what they say. Um, But... Anyone who's never gotten sick, I I, I, I don't trust them. <laughs> right on. But um, I think I don't know. But uh, I'm kind of thinking that like my- honestly, I'm, I'm surprised so far at weddings. I've never seen anything on the cruise side get particularly bad. Everyone tends to we get free drinks stuff like that. But everyone I've always seen people keep a good lid on it. So it's a very good shot. Be dodging the question there, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not Br- bringing it back right in. Now. No, I'm just like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you any drinking stories right now. Plus, I'd want to think about what I'd want to tell. That's another. That's another tool for it's all, day. Yeah, the, the more time, like it's 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 turning into a blur. Like there's a lot of things that I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things I'm not proud of. <laughs> no, it's I, I remember the, the really really embarrassing stuff, but um, everything else is getting pretty much patchy. Yeah. It all just blurs into one giant, I was an asshole. 
<laughs> Are you calling me an asshole? Yeah. Love you, babe. <laughs> no. Yeah, man. Um, so, anything else? Anything else? How on your long mind? have we gone? Uh, a little over half an hour. Anything on your mind? I mean, that's really like I, I, I. Uh oh. Uh oh. Get ready for barking. Sarge. We're back. The dog got loose. <laughs> He's kind of psychotic. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. So anyway. I think honestly, I, I feel pretty good. I think um, unless you got more about Cosby or comedy. Um. I don't feel good about any of it, dude. I'm, I'm super bummed about it. I was super conflicted when I was sitting in Carnegie Hall and I was just watching. I was like, oh, God damn it. And then it just keeps getting worse and worse, but I still really want that record. Like, really bad. <laughs> Did anyone, like, yell anything at him? No. Was Everyone was really respectful? Well, the, the strange thing is I actually went out back to see, and Carnegie Hall, I was surprised they actually don't have a artist drive-in or a garage that you just pull in the back. So he actually went out to the street. Um... Yeah, no, there were actually a lot of huge Cosby supporters. There wasn't anybody that said anything. I think a few shows before and a few shows after, you had people that stood up um, mm -hmm. and were yelling. But, but no, it was super respectful. I mean, it's Carnegie Hall. That's true. I guess it's just uh, it's so disappointing that all that was like, he, you know, people were like, oh, you know, it's like, why would they do this to Cosby? It's like, no one did this to Cosby. Cosby did this to Cosby. And it's it's unfortunate what happened. I think at this point we can say confidently this happened. And it's sad, but it's like also people go, why does he get so much more heat than anyone else? I'm like, well, everyone should get terrible heat for what happened. But he's also really big, like, black people don't represent us well and do all these things right. Like, he's, yeah. like, he's all, he's so holier than thou. Well, did you That's like watching him fall from such a high pedestal. Did you, did you see the, the reason, the, the, the judge's explanation of why he was releasing those records? Mm-mm. The reason why he said that it was either a he or a she, but the the judge that was saying why they were why they were releasing their records to the press, his um, statement was because he positioned himself as a moral public leader, and that's why they were releasing the documents. Which I think is very very interesting. I think that that's wild. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it, like negative or positive. That's a very that's a really interesting implication. I guess there must be precedent for that. I don't know who would have been, but no, that was one of the, that was, you know, that was part of the statements. I remember reading that and just, and just thinking that's, that's, I don't know. All I'm terrified is that I keep seeing things like headlines about Mr. Rogers, people like on Reddit and stuff. And I'm always afraid there's going to be some scandal involving Mr. Rogers and just my whole world's going to come crashing down. No, he, that whole Reds, that whole, I don't think he was put on at all. You know, I think that that was part of the 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 thing about Mister Rogers. Oh no, it's like, like his whole thing was about like making kids feel good about themselves. And what I'm trying to say is his whole put on of like I I believe 30 years before he had that show, he walked around and when he went into the house, he put on his little slippers. Loafers, <laughs> and, yeah, he put on his loafers and he put on his sweater. Yeah, that just a film crew showed up one day. He, he had been doing that. <laughs> He'd been doing that his whole life, you know, doing little <laughs> shows for himself with this small crew, like puppet shows. <laughs> and one day a film crew just showed up. And he's like, won't you be my neighbor? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I think the best insult I ever saw, someone was like, what's the worst thing you can say to somebody? And someone said, uh, 
you're not the person Mr. Rogers knew you could be. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, I can't imagine saying that to somebody. <laughs> oh no. That would break my heart. If somebody said that to me, I'm trying to think of, yeah. No, those kids shows, I don't, do you remember any of them? I watched Thomas the Tank Engine, Power Rangers, a little bit of Mr. Rogers, a little bit of Barney. It was, you know. I wasn't a Sesame Street kid as much. Right on. You know, none of that public public access nonsense. PBS, you're not a big Arthur fan, nah. big Arthur guy. I actually didn't like Arthur at all. I just didn't, <laughs> I didn't mind Sesame Street. I saw it was on, but I just didn't like Arthur. He bothered you. <laughs> something bothered. Yeah, he just some um, something about that aardvark, whatever he is. <laughs> what? Yeah, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> a dog looking kid. Uh, yeah, Franklin. There's gar- oh, yeah, the bunny. <laughs> fucking garbage-ass Disney shows. They were awful. Remember Disney you- Channel original movies? <laughs> yeah. No, that'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. Yeah. I wonder if you could weaponize, <laughs> weaponize children's program. <laughs> if you threw somebody into, like, a dark cage and just had <laughs> Teletubbies, that yeah. would be the top candidate. You think so? I was wondering if, creepy. if you threw someone... In, you know, some kind of <laughs> some kind of clockwork orange thing. How long would it take to drive somebody crazy by just putting on like let's Teletubbies is good. What would be better though? Just Cookie Monster segments, <laughs> one after another. Just deconstruct their ability to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things um, that that was happening with um, Guantanamo Bay. Did you... We are jumping all over the place. I do remember. What was it? They were using metal, right? Were they using metal? <laughs> yeah, they were using metal. And I think a Swedish or a Norwegian band ended up suing the United States government. For using their music? It was It was like for six million. <laughs> it was for like six hundred six million six hundred sixty-six dollars or... <laughs> oh, God, yeah. For services rendered. But that is crazy. I mean, if you, if you think about something like that, which is the idea of... Uh, being violated like that to know that something that you did was was weaponized and used to torture people. I don't know why I made the jump from kids. I guess when I when you watch kids stuff, there, there's just something amiss. You ever get that sensation? <laughs> something's amiss. like I mean, something's it, it very can be wrong. Very unsettling. Kids <laughs> stuff can be unsettling. Yeah, that's why it's interesting. You had the proliferation of shows like um like Adventure Time and uh, My Little Pony and all these shows that ended up like having a much stronger adult audience than I think they anticipated. Mm-hmm. And like, Ren and Stimpy was like that. Well, they then made an adult version, but yes. Yeah. And and I've always fundamentally believed that Nickelodeon shows were meant to be watched with parents. They threw in jokes for themselves and for the parents. But mm-hmm. I, I think that's part of it. But I think um, the other great example is um, Regular Show. Mm-hmm. And um, I know Adventure Time is the big, big one. But mm-hmm. um, what's, the, what's it called? Oh, Avatar. Last mm-hmm. Airbender. Like mm-hmm. that, that obviously became more adult. Not like ever an adult show, but I think they were paying service to like the adults. Like, look at Mike, all those people who watched it. I mean, so many of our friends watched that. And it's not because like Speak cartoons. Speak for yourself, Greg. <laughs> I didn't watch they it. watch cartoons. You never watch cartoons ever? No, I'm just. Yeah, I was going to say, full of it. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not like even like these were. It's not even like the whole idea of like cartoons are just for kids, but it's also like it was interesting to see like there has been a wave of cartoons that came out in rapid succession that clearly geared more towards adult audiences our age, right? Which is very 
you know, like that's all thing. I, mean, I remember seeing that happen. I'm like, this is almost kind of weird. Yeah, feels something's off. I mean, I've saw, I've seen some of them. I've seen some episodes of each of those, and like they're funny. Yeah, but there's also humor that like kids wouldn't get, but it's airing at times that kids be watching cartoons. So like it's a very weird like intersection happening there. I'm not quite sure. I need to look at the data on that and like what there's obviously data they're looking at that possess them to do this kind of writing at these time slots. And I'm very curious what that is. Yeah. Are they banking on nostalgia? Are they just using animation as a medium to tell stories? I'm, I'm very curious about that. Yeah. Kids media is really weird. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I worked for a company that actually, yeah, did, I remember you talking about those YouTube videos, right? Yeah. That did YouTube videos for kids. Um, and, and the thing is that I would, you know, just naturally you would look at other companies to see what they were doing. And it's, it, it is weird when you, when you watch, when you watch kids media, just because it's not afraid of like sitting on some kind of tone yeah. that just feels wrong. But I, I think that they have so many education people behind them, like people that went to Harvard or uh. different respected education institutions and studied children's education i guess they they figured out a formula to make that work but i have no idea why you know when you watch something like uh when you watch something like teletubbies it's just like sitting it's just this weird the thing creep about teletubbies honestly is like little baby face in the sun <laughs> i was just like what the whole thing did they speak english no no i think they basically said their names Oh. It was weird. I think it was British. Yeah. That's weird being actors in those suits, like doing it. You think so? Yeah. What? Bottom line, kids. I wonder what that <laughs> Shows are weird. Yeah. Shows are weird. We kind of went all over. That's why it's fun. Right on. Right on. Right, dog. All right, man. Well, let me go ahead and um, close this down. But, um,. Yeah, thank y'all for listening. David, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, man. I'm really happy that you're doing it. It's fun, and we should do more in the future. Right on. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's about it. So uh, cheers.